Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. everybody to another fantastic episode of the podcast by the sons of technology today we have a really great episode for you talking about uh, teachers in the movies or on tv shows or the different types of movies that are out there that that dictate or or talk about education uh, but before that and before we introduce ourselves we want to acknowledge that we are recording this on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this? What were you doing uh, that morning? How did you find out the tragedy, the terror attack had happened? And just a little bit of, you know, what, what, what was that day like for you? And, and, and what does it mean to you? Well, first of all, I cannot even begin to believe it's been 20 years already. And I was talking with my brother, my roommate from college at the time. This morning, we were texting back and forth about about the day and whatever and we both agreed that we can remember that day play by play we can go through the entire day from the moment we woke up to the time we went to bed and give you the whole entire day but we can't remember what we had for breakfast yesterday and that's the kind of impact it had and then i mean we could do an entire episode on the impact of uh what it meant at the time in regards to what patriotism was the, the war on terror and the consequences of the war on terror ever since and then uh, other aspects like things like the Patriot Act that were passed and so on and so forth. But uh, that's an, something for another time and another day. But I mean, just the impact of 9-11, uh, like I said, I still remember it minute by minute from that day and even in the couple of days afterward. Uh, and it's just um, it was I was in college. I was a custodian in the dorms and I had a 10 o'clock class. So from eight o'clock until about 945, most mornings I worked and uh I had a coworker that was notorious for just like going back to his dorm room and going back to bed instead of actually working. And that morning he come out of the TV room uh, that was in the dorm and said something about the World Trade Center being on fire. And frankly, I was just kind of annoyed. And I'm like, no, dude, just get back to work. And then my boss came out of that same TV room about 10 minutes later and he was, you need to come check this out. I'm like, what are you going to say? The World Trade Center is on fire too. And that's when I walked in right as the second plane was hitting the tower. And right. Um, I felt pretty awful uh, for doubting what uh, the my coworker had said. But at the same time, though, he was notorious for getting out of doing work. And then from there, just everything throughout that day, it was just uh, just absolutely crazy. How about you? Yeah, it was it was pretty nuts. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I believe, uh, either a freshman or sophomore in, in college as well. And um, my TV was my alarm. Right, my TV would go would turn on, and I always had it on Good Morning America just to see what the news was, but in a fun and entertaining way. And I wake up to this commotion and uh, the the planes, just the repeat of the planes hitting the tower. I'm like, "What is going on?" And my mom comes in and says, "You watching this?" I go, "It's it's it's nuts," and I didn't know how to uh, process it. I'm like, "This has got to be like a movie or something. What is going on here?" Um, and uh, the only thing I could do is get up and go for a run. Um, you know, the, the, I just had to go run. Um, and then uh, went went to my classes and everybody's mood was just like, why are we even here? <laughs> why are we even attempting to go to classes? And we basically didn't go to classes the rest of the day. And um, uh, I, I was a, uh, a football coach at a junior high. 
uh, and you know we canceled practice and we ended up canceling the game that that weekend as well. Um, as I also believe NFL canceled their their games and colleges canceled their games, um, and the the all the airplanes were grounded. Uh, we live, you know, near the Fresno airport is, you know, relatively close considering, and there's no planes in the air for, for a week. That was kind of eerie knowing there was nothing like that in the sky. It was, it was just a very ominous time. Yeah. I played football in college at the time. Uh, we were division two. We actually did play that week and uh, most division one schools did take that week off. I remember, uh, but it, it was, um, the atmosphere of the stadium. We played in this uh, dome uh, when I was in college, and the uh, the atmosphere of the dome it was it was so quiet. Even though there was like four or five thousand people in there, it was just so quiet. Um, even even when we were doing good things, like we ended up winning that game. If I remember, I don't remember the score or anything. I do remember we played Hillsdale College. So um, fellow EdTech Army Andy Losick, uh, alum of Hillsdale College, played football there too. We were at different times. Uh, he was a few years ahead of me, but um, yeah, yeah, it was just just eerie and weird. And then you mentioned the planes. Um, the town where I went to college uh, was the former K.I. Sawyer Air Force Base is there. And that was one of the main bases where B-52 bombers during the Cold War would take off loaded with nuclear warheads. And they would basically circle the North Pole 24 hours a day in case there was ever an attack. That way they were at the ready to just go fly over Russia and and do what they had to do. So the town itself was used to seeing those big planes in the years previous to this. The KI Sawyer shut down in 1995, but all of a sudden planes were getting grounded on that day. And we had these massive 747s that were landing there when most of the time, just the, the little airport that's there, which is, I think, the only flights even to this day that go out of Marquette, Michigan, go to either Detroit, Chicago or Minneapolis, St. Paul. And so it's just like these little little puddle jumpers, you could say. Uh, all of a sudden, now there's like 737s and 747s on the ground there. And, yeah, it was, it was nuts seeing that. But, uh, you know, like I said, we could spend an entire episode just talking about what we were doing that day, let alone the impact of 9-11. But uh, we do got a really fun episode for you here today, uh, a little lighthearted, uh, different from what we normally do. So, But uh, let's introduce ourselves first. Uh, Joe, you usually go first, so why don't you do that? Yeah, sure. So I'm Joe Marquez. I'm an educator out of the Central Valley of California. Um, currently, my role is Director of Academic Innovation for Q. And um, if you want to connect with me, you can always find me on the Twitters at Joe Marquez 70. And as always, my partner in innovation, Kyle Anderson. Kyle, please introduce yourself. Yes, Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech. Same thing with the Instagram. I have a blog that I have been neglecting as of late. Uh, I have not been doing any writing for various reasons. I have ideas, but I just, I don't have the motivation right now uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but that's andersonedtech.net. And then I have a book titled To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. You can find that on Amazon. You can find it at barnesandnoble.com. And then also through my publisher, Edumatch Publishing. So um, if you have not picked a copy of that up, I would love for you to do so. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, um, especially in a time where taking a risk and trying something new is just ever so important in, in the age of education that we're in right now. But um, I mentioned that today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. We decided this week to ask the EdTech Army, our, our Twitter group that we have with a handful of other innovative, like-minded educators, ask them 
what do you think Joe and I should talk about this week? And one of the things that came up were teachers in movies and TV. And I thought that was an absolutely great idea. So, uh, and then I, so I said to you, I'm like, what do you think we should do this? And you agreed, let's do it. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's, it's it's very fun to, to to do this because there's so many movies out there about education and teachers and memorable characters. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was kind of like you for a minute, Kyle, when I was trying to think of an exact movie or exact character, and they were just getting jumbled in my mind. And so I started going online and just kind of to get my thoughts, like, okay, let me get these movies straight. And I started realizing why it was getting jumbled in my mind. Because there's only a few different types of education movies that are out there just repackaged and repurposed with new characters or new stories, right? So I want I want to name some of them, and I want to see if you agree with me, if I'm missing any or not. So there's the sports education movie, right, where you have a new coach coming in um, to, uh, to, to lift up a team that's not done very well ever and inspire them to win the championship, right? So there's that education movie another take on that sports one is a a new coach coming into an already successful team but the the kids are just not the 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 best kids and so he's he does things to to make them into better characters even if it detri- it's detrimental to the team itself so there's that sports sports movie um in education there's the one where you have the uh the teacher coming from uh a high level uh, high performing high school going to an inner city high school where the students are not performing very well and lifts them up and, and gets them to understand that education is key. There's, there's that kind, kind of movie. Um, then you have the movie where a teacher comes in and just does things out of left field uh, to, to bring new life into the classroom and, and doesn't play by the rules and, and kind of mixes things up. Those are the ones that I really really like and then finally there's the one where the teacher just doesn't really like their job and is down on their luck and is like what am i doing and ultimately realizes teaching's the best thing because of all the kids and changes he's made over their career so those are the those are the five different education type movies or tropes that i can remember um am i missing any or am i off the mark there the only one i would add is maybe the the one kind of going with the sports theme one where you've got the win at all costs kind of coach or whatever that is more of the bad kind of deal instead of the because instantly when you said the one that the coach that comes in and even if it's at the detriment of the team to make people better characters or whatever instantly I thought of coach Carter when you yeah. when you said that one but um the one that I thought of as the opposite to that was varsity blues where you had the coach that you know Kid clearly has a concussion, but he keeps on making a play. The kid blows his knee out and has all these problems with the knees, and he's getting cortisone shots before every game. And then eventually the kid completely tears his knee apart. And then in the same movie, you had another teacher that was absolutely terrible who had a side gig in a very questionable career, uh, which you don't mix those two things. And then on top of that, you live in a tiny, small town. You're flaunting the money you're making in that side gig. So that was, uh, you know, there was two very poor examples of teachers in that movie. But I was thinking about this when we agreed that we were going to do this, where I wanted to not necessarily take movies where there was just a small part where it was a teacher. Because another small part one is uh, Bradley Cooper's character on The Hangover, where 
he's a teacher and basically tells a kid, we're going on this great field trip. And then he ponies all the money the kids give him for the field trip to take to Vegas and everything. So that was just a tiny part of the movie, though. So I wanted to make sure I was thinking about teachers that were a very large part of the plot of a TV show or a movie. And I wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit and make sure I was thinking of ones that were good teachers, good examples, or ones that were very bad. And because we want to start out with the good, though, I, I kind of went out left field with my first thought here. And um, I chose a teacher from Beavis and Butthead. I know you and I, Joe, are the same age. I know you watch that show. I bet you a few of our listeners watched Beavis and Butthead back in the day. And not exactly the most wholesome of TV shows, definitely not family programming by any means. But there was a teacher that Beavis and Butthead had on that show that was, to me, a great example of a teacher in many ways. And that was Mr. Van Driesen. Do you remember Mr. Van Driesen? Yeah, wasn't he the one that was always shaking? Like, oh, Beavis. No, that was the coach. That You're oh, thinking that was of the coach. coach, the one that was always angry. No, Mr. Van Driesen was, he was like the hippie teacher. The one oh, with the glasses yes. and the long Okay, hair. I got it. Yeah, and But he was, and the reason why he was such a good teacher is because you had two knuckleheads in Beavis and Butthead that school was definitely not their thing. They just wanted to rock and roll and try to find girls and whatever. But Mr. Van Driesen was very patient with them. He never raised his voice, always was looking out for both Beavis and Butthead's uh, best interests. And he was very innovative in some of the stuff he did too. Whereas you see other teachers that were on Beavis and Butthead, it was a lot of the whole you know, sit here and listen to what I'm going to teach you. Or you had the coach that he would say, sit here, listen. And then if they didn't, then he would just scream and start throwing things. Mr. Van Driesen, he had a guitar and he would circle the kids up and like teach them lessons using his guitar. So it was very outside the box what he was doing. And this is a show that was from the mid nineties or so. So like you're talking 25, almost 30 years ago is when Beavis and Butthead came out and I, I really think Mr. Van Driesen was ahead of his time then. I and mean, even now, though, like how many teachers have their guitar in the classroom? You know, I mean, if I knew how to play guitar, I probably would, but I do not know how. So I, I really, when I was thinking about like, what's a great example of a teacher in a show that I like growing up? That that was one of the first ones that came to my mind. No, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's true. I mean, patience and, you know, being able to uh, connect with students. Um, is extremely, extremely important, um, right? Um, I, I was having a conversation with um, a few educators this morning, uh, and one of them was just saying, you know, like right now teachers are under so much stress and pressure that sometimes, you know, they're looking at the ability of the kids at the moment and like putting the blame on the kids. Why are they so low in their, their abilities right now? Why is this? Why is that? And, you know, we were talking about how teachers need to flip the script and go, like, what can I do to inspire my students? What can I do to change the way that I'm uh, approaching this lesson so that the students become more connected to it? And it sounds like that's exactly what's happening um, in, in, in the example that you're giving, right? Uh, just a different way of teaching in a fun and engaging way, right? That, that maybe Beavis and Butthead would have connected to because they're rockers and they see a guitar and that might be their gateway into, okay, I can, I can, I can, I can dig this class. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it never really developed into anything further where he really truly connected, but throughout the course of that series, that show, he never gave up. So, and it wasn't like, you know, a typical sitcom where the story developed from the pilot all the way through. So, I mean, each episode of Beavis and Butthead was a little individual thing. So, 
you never did truly see Mr. Bandrisi connect, but again, you never saw him give up on him either. And then even if you go to the movie Beavis and Butthead Do America, he they they storm in. The FBI storms into the classroom looking for Beavis and Butthead. And and the first thing he did was, well, why are you looking for him? Do you have a warrant on this? We have a constitution in the United States. You need to honor that. And then the FBI agents assault Mr. Van Driesen. So, I mean, even in the face of the FBI breaking in, he was standing up for them. Yeah. No, that's that's a good example. I, I never I never digged that deep <laughs> into into that character. So I'm glad you gave us a deep dive into that. I know a lot of people are going, oh, Beavis and Butthead. I, I wasn't allowed to watch that when I was a kid. Maybe I should go back and, and look at it. Now you see what kind of life I leave now that I, I think that's, that's I can analyze the character development of a, a character from Beavis and Butthead. You, <laughs> now you know what kind of mind I have. Well, I mean, that it takes a mind like that uh, to connect. Right. Um I actually tried to use Beavis and Butthead in my teaching um, with when I was talking about chemistry and 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 atoms and molecules and explosions, and the kids were like, "Who's Beavis and Butthead?" I'm like, "Oh, I have to I have to make sure my connections are in the century that they're in, not from my." Yeah, century. I I remember the first time I had an issue like that. I was quoting I think the movie Tommy Boy, and I just got blank stares. I'm like, "Oh." That movie came out before you were born. Never mind. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think one of the things I did uh, when, when I, I was an eighth grade science teacher and I, I would I would tell the students at the beginning of the year, you have to go home and ask your parents if you can watch Ferris Bueller, because I will be making lots of uh, uh, examples from that movie. And you're not going to know what I'm talking about unless you have that reference. <laughs> so I said, that's first week of school. Go see if your parents will let you watch Ferris Bueller. Um. So, Joe, now I gave you an example of a teacher, so I know you've got examples as well. So let's hear one of your examples of teacher, good or bad, your choice. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this in a couple different directions. So some of them will be the actual teacher, but some of them will be the overall movie um, that kind of shaped me. Like, I like to watch these things before the beginning of the year to give me that inspiration and inspire me to be that kind of educator. Um, so, of course, Dead Poet Society is a, is a great movie. Uh, and, and the reason... To me, it's a really good movie is because I'm not into poetry. Um, I don't know a lot of people that are into poetry. If you are into poetry, awesome. But that wasn't myself. And in the movie, the Robin Williams character tried to find ways to connect the material to the way that these boys are feeling at that moment, to connect the material to their experiences, to their lives, to make it meaningful, to make it relevant. Not just saying this was written a hundred years ago. You need to know it because it's a it's a good poetry. It's it's because you're going through this right now. And let's give some examples and let's do this. And so making that connection of the material to the relevancy now is incredibly important. I think. I think one of the things that that the that teachers fall into is when they're teaching something like math or something, and the kids go, "Why do we need to know this?" And the response is, "Well, you, when you get older, you're going to need this stuff." Well, the kids are like, well, then why don't I learn it later when I'm older, right? How can you connect the math to what your students are experiencing now, how they can use it now? And I think that's the importance of every subject. How can you connect it to their lives now? Even if it's delving into topics you're not necessarily uh, uh, understand, understanding with. Uh, for example, Kyle, I know that you, you're, you're getting back into skateboarding, right? Um, I was never a skateboarder. Uh, I don't know much about skateboarding other than playing Tony Hawk on my PS1 
it was just called the PlayStation. There was no one before it when I had it. Um, that was that was the gist of what I knew about skateboarding. But I knew that there were students in my class who loved skateboarding. They may not have loved science, but they loved skateboarding. And so when I'm teaching Newton's laws of cause and effect of, of every action has an equal and opposite reaction of force equals mass times acceleration, I'm teaching all these things. I, I made sure I played uh, skateboarding fail videos, right? Falling off. Look at that. The faster they're going, the harder they hit. That's force equals mass times acceleration. Look at that. Every time their head hits the ground, the ground hits back. That's why the head pops back up, right? That's Newton's third law. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And the kid's like, oh, I get it. Make the connection to the material. They're going to remember it, right? Um, and so that's kind of what I always got out of Dead Poets Society is make the connection to make them want to learn yeah my my delving into skateboarding uh now is open up some doors with kids at school i see them carrying a skateboard and now i have a way to talk to them about something and they're always blown away when some gray bearded dude starts talking about skateboarding it's kind of funny and then going along with the science theme uh, i'm a prime example of an object in motion will stay in motion dot 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 when one day on my skateboard i'm cruising through the parking lot this is great having a fun time I don't see the giant crack in the in the pavement coming up. The skateboard stops and I kept on going until I landed on hands and knees and just gross skidded myself out completely. I mean, it was it was awful. I was like a mile from home. So I had to skate home just gushing blood. It was not fun. But uh, you know what? I got back on it and I'm still doing it. So I actually went out and skated last night for a little bit. Uh, so it was finally cool enough to do so. So nope, definitely enjoy getting on that. So now you're, this is probably blasphemy, but I, I'm not—I'm not even sure should I, I should admit this and publish it. But I don't think I've ever seen Dead Poet Society. I know the gist of it. I don't know if I've ever actually seen it though. Well, you know that's that's understandable, right? Because the time that it came out and the subject matter, I didn't see it when when it when it came out like that either. It's not like it was I was rushing to see it. I mean, if, if it was the option between watching Dead Poets Society and Mortal Kombat, I would go see Mortal Kombat. That's the that's the mindset I was in when this movie had come out, right? Um, but when I became a teacher, um, I, I I got into this um, uh, this tradition that the weekend before school started, I would play as many education movies, inspirational movies as I could before the start of the school year, just to get that, that joy or that optimism in, in my heart. And, and that was one of the movies that was recommended and I'd played it. And I, I, I mean, I, I, it's not one that I would just sit back on a Friday night and watch leisurely, but in the moment of getting ready for school, that was always one of my go-tos to get my motor running to, to inspire and move myself forward and, and think differently when I'm teaching my kids. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's something I probably should check out, but uh, like I said, and there's Robin Williams yeah. in it. You're right. Robin, and it's Robin Williams. Williams is in it. So yeah, Robin Williams is absolutely classic. You, if you, if you can figure out a way to say that Robin Williams had a bad TV show or movie, um, I, I want to hear your theory behind why. So, because you know, no, he was just absolutely incredible. So now, I also, like I said, I've got ones on my list that I made, just a short list of examples of bad teachers, too. So now sticking with the animated theme, uh, I had Mr. Bandreason from Beavis and Budhead. My, my example of a bad teacher is Mr. Garrison from South Park. <laughs> so, okay. No, that's Mr. Mackey. That's the counselor. So. Oh, man, I'm getting all my guys mixed up. Yeah, that's okay, though. So 
Now, Mr. Garrison is their third grade teacher and then eventually becomes their fourth grade teacher as well. Uh, but he teaches them some very inappropriate things and things that are completely off topic. He flies off the handle on the kids all the time. Now, granted, Cartman can be a bit of a tough nut to crack, you know, and I mean, I can understand Mr. Garrison being frustrated, but he just flies off the handle on the kids all the time. Um, even though he does try to connect with them through Mr. Hat. So, and then eventually Mr. Stick, but he also just like, when it comes to his grading, like somebody says like, Oh, well, um, this is such and such and such. He goes, Oh, very, very good. A, A for you. But then the next kid comes in basically does the same thing. He goes, Oh, C minus, you know, so his grading is all over the place and just not exactly a, a great example of what a teacher should be. So uh, Mr. Mackey, on the other hand, uh, you know, balance things out a little bit because he seems to be pretty caring and, uh, you know, he's definitely quirky and, you know, does some questionable things, but I think Mr. Mackey's heart is in the right place. Whereas Mr. Garrison, uh, he appears to be that typical teacher that is in it for the summers off uh, the quote unquote bad teacher like that. So, uh, but that's another one though, that it's still on <laughs> South park is still going strong. Uh, but in, in the, the newest seasons, he is no longer the teacher. He uh, he is a version of the president uh, on the newest seasons, which is uh, really strange, uh, but it's still hilarious. But uh, no, it's it's a show I've watched from the start back in like 1997, and I still watch it. Uh, but to me, that was an easy one. That just not a good example of a good teacher. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 uh, funny. Um, you know, when you're, you, when you, when, when we were talking about these episodes, I didn't think you'd go deep into, uh, Beavis and Butthead and South Park, but, uh, kudos to you, my friend, uh, for doing that because, you know, I, I don't think I've seen, actually seen an episode of South Park in years. Right. Um, I was like you, I, I used to watch it when it first came out and like for 10 years and then I stopped watching it. Well, the good news for you and listeners, if you get the itch to watch some South Park, if you have HBO max, they have every episode ever. That is good. That is good to know. It might be something that you can binge, right? Because they're only like 20 minute episodes, right? Yeah, no. And I, I still like will sit down and watch episodes and still laugh. And I have my favorite episodes and, and whatever. I'll, I'll just go back and watch some of those every now and then and laugh as hard now as I did 20 years ago when they came out. So just, <laughs> just uh, to me, very, it's a very smart show. It's a, it's a show that the creators, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, just, uh, they have just a, just a way to address things, especially pop culture or uh, news type things in a way that on the surface is very offensive, but at the same time can be very, it's a different point of view though, too. So it's like I said, it's a show that I still enjoy. And uh, uh, once again, you know where my mind is at when I can deep dive on cartoon characters. You know, it's, it's, it, they are pretty good at satire. I'll tell I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you one that I'm wishy-washy about. It's a great movie, and when you watch it as not an educator, as I did, um, you're like, all right, yeah, you give it to him. But then you watch it as an educator, and you're like, ooh, that administrator is just a little overbearing. I don't. He, he, he could have done this in a little different way to get his administrators on his side. But this is Lean On Me, right? Classic Morgan Freeman, Lean On Me, and I always get – uh, and because I'm going to talk about another movie um, with the, a character's name with almost exactly the same. So lean on me. The uh, uh, administrator's name is Joe Clark. And after this one, I'm going to talk about uh, Ron Clark. 
uh, classroom classroom teacher. But this is Joe Clark, and Joe Clark was uh, a print uh, appointed principal of this inner city uh, uh, high school that was not doing well at all. That was that had uh, gangs and drugs and violence and things like that. And he came in to clean anything up at all costs. Um, he would tell teachers. Um, he would go and, and check their dress code. You need to you need to get your dress code and check. If you're not looking good, these kids aren't going to respect you. And he'd go tell people that they were lazy and you're a slob and just things that you would be like, oh man, it's abrasive. But as as a non teacher watching that, you're like, yeah, you give it to them, Joe. You give it to them. You tell them how to clean that place up. But then I'm, when I watch it again, I'm like. You know, sometimes if an administrator came to me and said it like that or or was doing these things without having like talks, that could be a very abrasive environment. And some of the teachers quit. Some of the teachers were fired. Um, so that's why, like, I have a fond memory of this movie, um, especially the song Lean On Me. But then when I watch it again, I'm like, oh, that's it's as a teacher. I'm like, I don't know if that's the best way to come in and make those changes. Um, so have you seen, have you seen lean on me, Kyle? That's one that I have not seen in a really long time. And I mean, to the point where what you're talking about right now, I don't even remember it. So, cause it's been so long. So it's one that I would have to go back and watch again. So, and I would probably be in the same kind of mindset as you, because when I did see it, I, I don't think I was a teacher at that point. So I probably wouldn't, I, I would be looking at it through a different lens now than I did back then. And especially because over time, things have shifted where now, like you used to have the quote unquote hard ass boss, whatever in, well, in any industry, including schools. And that was acceptable, but now like, that's not something that's nearly as accepted nowadays, you know, because we need to approach things with a little bit more grace and love versus, and we always should have been doing that, but it just wasn't the case back in the day. So now, like looking at it now through the lens of uh, being a teacher for 17 years and the society we live in now, I probably would be very critical of that as well, just like you're talking about. Yeah, you know, the, the one of the scenes that always, always, always just resonates with me is that to, to prevent the drug dealers from coming on campus, they would uh, chain every door shut. They would go and chain every door shut. And then the fire marshals came in and said, you can't do that. And so what they started doing is as soon as they knew a fire marshal was coming, there was a team that would go and unlock the doors and stuff. Like, well, maybe we got to think about this for a minute because what if there was an actual emergency and these kids need to get out, right? We got to think. So I have fond memories of the movie, uh, but when you watch it again as an educator, you have a little bit of, um, there are some decisions there that, uh, probably could have been done a different way yeah you talk about chains on the doors and uh, my mind instantly went to the triangle shirtwaist fire back in the early 1900s where hundreds of girls died in a factory fire because the bosses didn't want them sneaking out and missing work and whatever so they chained all the doors shut so when the fire broke out they basically all were trapped so that's instantly what came to my mind there so but now Moving on to another example of a movie, a teacher that I have fond memories of, and I've I introduced my kids to this character, and they absolutely love this movie now too. Is Dewey Finn, and Dewey Finn is the teacher played by Jack Black on the movie School of Rock. Now he wasn't a teacher per se, so now if 
you're listening now and you've never seen School of Rock, spoiler alert, it came out in 2003. You should see it by now. So, but Dewey is in a rock band and he gets fired from his band for being too over the top. And eventually what ends up happening is he becomes a substitute teacher at this very prestigious elementary school, this private school. And he basically has to lie to get in there. He pretends to be his roommate to get in there because he needs to make some money in order to pay his rent and then eventually enter the battle of the bands after finding a new band. Well, then what he realizes once he gets in there is what great musicians a lot of the kids are. So his motives at first are, I'm going to take these kids and create a band. I'm going to go win battle of the bands. But then as time goes on, he starts to teach kids about compassion. He teaches kids about um, self-worth. He talks to them about all sorts of things that like really the social and emotional scale that is something that, again, we should have been addressing it all along, but it's definitely something we pay more attention to now. He was doing this as their substitute teacher. So now granted, he was sneaking behind the principal's back and uh, wasn't teaching him anything about any of the other curriculum. It was all about the band, but he made kids realize that they're more than just academics and that the skills that they had, that they could take that and become something else with it and, and to stand up for themselves. And it was just something that I watched that movie now and I did, I, I love the message behind it. And then of course I introduced my kids to it and they don't see that message. They just, um, they like the music. So now like my kids both have playlists on, on my streaming service where they got their favorite songs and a bunch of the songs from school of rock are on their playlist, like immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. And uh, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll by ACDC. So, uh, so that movie holds a special place in my heart for a lot of reasons, but especially because Dewey Finn, even though he was kind of a lying, conniving SOB, he ultimately does become a very good teacher to those kids. Yeah, you know, it, it, that does resonate with me as well, because I've always told my fellow teachers that, yeah, our, our job is to teach the curriculum, but it's also to teach students how to have faith in themselves, how to have confidence in themselves, um, how, you know, how, you know, education uh, can be fun and engaging. It doesn't have to be dry and boring. Like if you are sitting there just giving your students a PowerPoint. PowerPoint is boring. Then you are just, you know, the kids aren't going to resonate with it. Right. Um, you know, I always I always said, um, you know, uh, you know, you don't have to be an entertainer to be a teacher. You just have to be relevant. And sometimes being relevant is incorporating fun, engaging, hands-on activities, and also activities that are not content-related to get the students to feel like they are part of a community, a learning community together. Um, if a student is not ready to learn, it doesn't matter how good of a teacher you are. You have to get them in the mindset of wanting to learn, and then you can give the curriculum. Now, in School of Rock, he never gave the curriculum part, right? So that's that's the part that, you know, it's like, well, but he gave these students confidence uh, and, and, and maybe a reason to come to school. Maybe they didn't want to come to school and they gave them a reason, right? So as a teacher, you got to figure that out. How can you have that School of Rock mentality, but then still teach the curriculum um, along the way, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and and the one scene that stands out to me the most is the young lady who talks to him after class about 
wanting to be one of the singers in the band and he goes well we already had our tryouts for that why didn't you do it then and then then she sings and he goes you're incredible like why didn't you do this before it because she was afraid to and she was self-conscious about her size and whatever and then he just he gives her this pep talk about how aretha franklin had a powerful voice and was a was a bigger woman and how she looked past that and now like the world worshiped her as a result and that all you have to do is just come out of your shell and you can be the same thing and then later on the movie when she does her solo at the concert and just her her voice was something that was just incredible and then like you see the parents in the crowd who are tearing up seeing their daughter coming out of her shell and everything and it's just like that that's a scene that really resonates with me and and why Jack Black's character Dewey Finn was so incredible in that movie. Yeah, it's and then you know if you've never seen School of Rock, people go out and watch it. It's a really great, great movie. And like you said, Kyle, it's fun for the entire family and a lot of great songs in there as well. Um, you know, I I, I would say um, that you know finding ways to get students to connect, not only with material but with each other and with the teacher, are key components uh, to the learning process. Right. You have to make sure that the students are comfortable to learn from you. Otherwise, you know, they're not going to. So some of my favorite education movies are where you have teachers that are bringing students from different walks of life who wouldn't normally hang out with each other. Uh, but but maybe you're creating like this new team, like an esports team or uh, some other team and you bring them together and they, they work together uh, for the, the common common good. Like one example of that, and I'm going to get to the movie that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but one example of that is robotics teams all across the country. Robotics teams, to join a robotics team, you don't have to be into robotics, right? Uh, My wife was on a robotics team here in Clovis for Buchanan High, which are, they're the Bird Brains. Shout out to the Bird Brains robotics team at Buchanan High School. She was the very first, what they call CEO of the uh, robotics team. She knew nothing about robotics, but she's very good at organization. So she would be in charge of keeping the team on track, organizing when they're going to meet, organizing where they should be along the process in order to have everything done by the competition dates. Um, And she, along the way, got to understand and appreciate um, the robotics team. And that is the great part is somebody who doesn't know anything about robotics joins a team and is a very important integral part of that, right? And then makes friends along the way. So one of the movies that really resonates with me in, in that kind of trope is uh, it's called Race the Sun. Um, it's a movie from the 90s. Uh, it's got Halle Berry and Jim Belushi uh, in this movie. And uh, they're in Hawaii. And they uh, want to start a solar car racing team. And you have to build it from scratch from your... Uh, in your community with your kids and all these things. And then you have to race it against your local community. And then if you win, you get to go to the big race in Australia kind of deal. And um, she brings together these kids that would never hang out with each other um, to begin with, but they learn to become a team and they learn to put their heads together and to actually build these things. And, you know, of course they, they win their regional, then they win their state, and then they are invited to Australia to compete. And, um, so it's just a great movie, but it's hands-on, right? It's not just teaching from a blackboard. It's hands-on, project-based learning. And 
when I saw this movie, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Uh, you know, if I ever do a solar car thing, this is something cool. But then I think to myself, why does it have to end at solar cars? If you're trying to teach, why can't you teach through projects? Why can't you teach through hands-on? Why can't you teach through activities or this or that? Why can't you do that, you know, uh, weekly with your students? And so that's that that really inspired me to incorporate different ways of looking how to teach curriculum and having kids work together. And I, I know our last episode was all about co collaboration. That was key, having students work together um, who may not hang out with each other outside the classroom, but can work together inside the classroom um, for a common goal. And so that's why that movie, Race the Sun, was when I always showed my students to show them, hey, you know, that's why we do hands-on stuff. That's why I put you in groups with people that you don't necessarily know. Because when you do that, you create community, you get to learn new things, and you get to meet new people. And that's the way we're going to run this class. So I would always show that movie for that particular purpose. This is the first time I've ever heard of this movie. <laughs> I've never heard of that movie at all. So uh, it's something that I'm going to have to see if I can find that somewhere now because now I'm kind of intrigued by it. And, and, and it's, it's not a good like movie it's, for the for the whole family. Yeah. And it's not like one of those movies where like it's got like no name actors in it or something like that. No, those are kind of big. Halle Berry and Jim Belushi are kind of big names. So uh, I'm a little surprised that I have never heard of that movie. So now I'm going to have to check it out. And because you said it was like from the 90s, the solar car thing I'm thinking of is remember that first solar car that kind of made it into the science magazines and the mainstream was that one that it kind of looked like a torpedo and basically the entire car was a solar panel. And then to get in and out of it, people had to like physically lift the solar panels off the car and whatever. So it wasn't like it was not practical by any means. But uh, I mean, and that was 30 some years ago. So I don't know where we're at with solar cars now. I know electric cars have come a long way, but do we have a viable solar car still in progress at some point? I don't know. So, but um, I'll have to go back and see if I can find that movie now because I kind of want to uh, have a little nostalgia for that old torpedo bullet looking solar car. That's exactly what it looks like, right? And uh, it, it, one of the cool things about the movie was they actually researched insects and aerodynamics. Uh, and that's why they decided to build the, the shape uh, like a, a beetle um, because it had good aerodynamics. So you had a little bit of science and engineering and things in there as well, problem solving. So I, I liked it. So definitely if you could find it, that's the big if. I don't know if it's streaming on anything, but if you could find it, definitely watch that movie. Yeah. Well, one I know is streaming. It's one of the more popular TV shows of all time, let alone still today, that I'm going to, for my last uh, teacher here, uh, a teacher that's not exactly a, a shining example of, what's good in education and that's uh heisenberg walter white played by brian cranston on the tv show breaking bad so now on the surface obviously not a good teacher because he ends up hooking up with a previous student and cooking meth and running a meth empire so those are the obvious reasons why he is not good so but in the show in the first season or two when he's still teaching when they show clips of him in his classroom, it's a lot of him standing behind his desk at the board, writing a handful of things on the chalkboard, talking in this low monotone, and the entire class just being absolutely put to sleep by what he's doing. And then when the bell rings, like as soon as it rings, everybody is out the door, even when he's in the middle of a sentence, 
their scenes. He's in the middle of a sentence and trying to tell them that next class you're going to have a quiz or we're going to be doing this next class. Be prepared for that. And they just do not care. They just walk right out and ignore him in the process. Now, maybe I will give the benefit of the doubt that because of his lung cancer, maybe he just didn't have the energy to put into his teaching at that point. But at the same time, though, I, I doubt that's the case. So because you notice as that series goes on, though, too, like he seems to have enough energy to be cooking all the meth and to fight with all the gangsters that are trying to get in on the meth empire with him. And then all of his verbal spats that has he has with Jesse Pinkman and just all the awful, horrific things that he eventually ends up doing. So um, the fact that. Again, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the show, he dies at the end. The way he dies has nothing to do with his cancer. It was an awful, horrific death at the end. So, but, um, and then there's all these conspiracy theories about how he didn't actually die, you know, and that they'll eventually be able to bring back Breaking Bad. But no, he, he definitely died at the end. So, but again, obvious reasons why he was not a good teacher, but it's those little things you don't see a lot of in the show because the focus is not on him in the classroom it, the focus is him cooking meth but those things are obvious reasons also why walter white was not a great teacher well you know i, I also think if you know if if you if you were an avid watcher of the show you kind of see why he was that way as a teacher he didn't want to be a teacher right he felt teaching was beneath him he felt that you know he he was this big you know, a uh, big wig in the chemistry uh, uh, field. And uh, he came up with this formula and his, his uh, partner stole it and became this big billionaire and he wasn't a part of it. And so he, he has this chip on his shoulder. And so he, as a teacher, he thinks he's better than that. And so he doesn't put everything in to his teaching. Um, I think there's a little bit of Mr. Holland's opus in this story. Right. And I'm not saying Mr. Holland Opus went off and became a, a, a meth cooker. But what I'm saying is in the movie, he feels that he's he's not making too big of a difference or the, the differences that he is making. He doesn't see the bigger picture of how much difference he's making. And it's not until the end when you after that long career and everybody stands up and says, you did this for me. You did that for me. You changed my life. You did this. The opus is that he realized these small things that I did, these inspirational chats that I had done, these things that I, these students that I inspired to become amazing adults. It's teaching is not about the days. Teaching is about the changes you make and the differences you make and the inspirations you make over time that creates this great crescendo of a career. Right. And I don't, I think Walter White, was not seeing that he was making a difference and he didn't see that. So he didn't put any effort into it. And, and, you know, I, I always tell teachers, you know, teaching is not all rainbows and unicorns every single day, right? We go into teaching and, and we have a hard days. We have a hard weeks. We have a hard years. Um, it's when we look back that we realize that the difference we have made far outweighs the days that we come home defeated. Right. But if you really do think about it, this is a really morbid thing to think about. He did inspire Jesse Pinkman to become a pretty good chemist. And then the two of them paired up together. Well, 
they created the purest, best methamphetamine that they could possibly make and sell out in the markets around Albuquerque, New Mexico. So again, very morbid. And we are not condoning the career choice that Walter White made by any means. But I mean, ultimately, he did make that one connection with Jesse Pinkman. And, and it just, yeah, just well, not good. <laughs> you, you know, let's 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 uh, let's make a uh, an Elseworld Elseworlds version of this. Right. So an Elseworlds version where it's a different reality. And instead of calling it Breaking Bad, we can call it Breaking Bread. And uh, he inspires Jesse Pinkman to learn the best chemistry to build the best loaf of bread. And they have the, a bakery that they sell the best, the best cookies and best cakes in all of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Breaking Bread, that's the Elseworlds version of this movie I want to see. Because then a great story could come from it. Well, yes, because then he they could team up with Gus Fring and uh, sell bread and buns to the uh, Los Pollos Hermanos uh, restaurant chain instead, instead of using the restaurant as a front to sell the meth and then, you know, making all the money off of that. See, a feel good, a feel good re-imaging has just happened here on the Sons of Technology podcast. Just, just watch Netflix buys everything. So watch breaking bread will be on a streaming service near you in the next year. All right. So listeners, if you just stole that, thanks a lot. You go, you owe us a cut now, at least. (laughs) Uh, at least a slice, a slice of bread. All right. Oh, well played. <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to give my last one for this episode. And this is a movie you may not have heard of, may not have seen, don't even know it exists. But if you have been teaching for five or more years, you will enjoy this movie. And it is called Chalk. And it is a mockumentary. So it's a it, it's filmed in documentary style, right? Like The Office, but it's not real. And it follows a first-year teacher in a high school getting his first job. And um, it goes through the entire staff and interviews the entire staff. And the reason you're going to like this is because it has characters that you work with. Like literal characters that you work with. The the guy coming in as the new teacher is there to shake things up. And he's the new younger teacher and he has different ideas. And then there's another teacher who used to be the new younger teacher, but he's three or four or five years in now. He's the most popular teacher, but now he's getting some of that popularity taken away by this new incoming teacher. And he gets this grudge on his on his shoulder. And then you have this other teacher that was one of the best teachers on campus who got convinced to become an administrator. And so now she's the assistant principal at the school she used to teach at. And all of her friends are like, oh, you're administration now. You're the enemy. And so she doesn't have those friends anymore. Um, and, and then you have the PE teachers who are always wearing their shorts and their whistles. And just, it, is, it is a great movie because even though there are so many tropes that you know, you know these people on your campus and you can pinpoint them and you watch it and you're just like, Huh, this was an enjoyable movie because it's like watching a day of my work. You have to find that one. And uh, you you mentioned that, not a mockumentary style, but the movie Waiting is a very similar for restaurants instead. So when that movie came out, I was working in restaurants and I'm like, every person on this movie is somebody that I work with. So it, yeah, just 
absolutely. So no, I'm definitely gonna have to check that one out. So now I don't have any other characters or uh, any deep dives on anything, but uh, two I'm going to mention just real fast as we're starting to wrap things up. Uh, there was a series on HBO a few years ago called Vice Principals with Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down. Um, just an over-the-top, ridiculous view of being a high school administrator uh, and then competing high school administrators at that. So uh, so that one, if you, if you need some dark comedy in your life that's education-related, check that one out. And then the other one, I've never seen an episode. I only know about it because... I'm a big fan of Jonathan Torrens, who is J-Rock from Trailer Park Boys, and I listen to his podcast. But he starred in a show in Canada called Mr. D, where he is a teacher. And I've heard about this show, but I've never been able to watch it because I don't have access to Canadian Netflix. So if there's a way to somehow get a, get onto that show, I would love to watch Mr. D because I heard that's another one that just uh, kind of... a uh, a comedy spoof of what education is uh, where we just need a laugh in our life every now and then. So Mr. D is another one. I think I've heard of that. That one's been around for a while, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's been around for a few years. I, I think that's actually done now, uh, but I guess they've had several seasons of it. But uh, again, I've never been able to see an episode because of, you know, restrictions, access and Canadian TV. Uh I, I think I, I, I borrowed a clip from that movie once uh, to, show to show teachers on why why utilizing uh, ed tech to collect and uh, grade and return work was was important. And one of them was there's these two teachers having an after hours drink at at a local establishment. And one of the teachers like he's like, wait, what are you going to do this weekend? He's like, oh man, I got so much work to grade. He had he picked up his briefcase, and he's like, yeah, I got to go through here, and I got to grade all these papers and grade all these things. And uh, the, I think it's Mr. D says, uh, oh, you know, I got a lot of stuff, but all I do is I find the the student that has the best grade point average. Um, I, then I take take what she did, and then I use it as my rubric on on grading everybody else. I get I get done super fast <laughs> by doing it that way. He goes, so I, I have my whole weekend free, and so I tell the teachers, I go. You can either spend your entire week in grading the work, or you can find a way to kind of skim past the work, which is not very good. Or you can easily grade as they come in while the students are working on them so that you are, are, are you know, spreading that work out during your work day. So your time off is your time off. I go that. So that was one of my pitches of why Google Docs, instead of just, you know, um, having the students type a Word document, print it, bring it to the teacher. And if you didn't do that, you get detention. Like, oh, don't even like get me started about all that stuff. But that was why I, I was like, no, just let them turn it in through Google Classroom. It'll save you sanity. Well, that takes uh, that philosophy takes grading on a curve to a different level, right there. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I can imagine uh, that could anger a lot of kids if uh, you say it's a curve and then that's the way you set the curve, right there. So. Yeah. But, well, Joe, this was actually a lot of fun. Um, we we took this to levels that I did not expect whatsoever. And frankly, I surprised myself a little bit with how I could deep dive on some of these characters, especially the cartoon ones. So, and then I also learned about some ones that I'd never heard of before. So I thank you for that as well. Yeah, you have, you have some homework. You definitely got to go watch uh, Dead Poets and you definitely got to watch Chalk. Start with Chalk. You'll enjoy it, I promise, and race the sun as well. And and listeners, if we missed any of your favorite educator movies, um, 
let us know which which ones would you have uh, if we asked you to come on. Which ones would you have talked about? Your favorites and your your not so favorites and why? We would love to hear it. Uh, just post it on uh, on the twitters at Sons of Tech Edu, or you can just tag Kyle and myself. Our handles are right down here. Mine is at jo- Joe Marquez seven zero, and you have at Anderson EdTech for Kyle. Um, definitely let us know what we missed and what your favorites are. And as we're closing out, I do want to remind everybody that Fall Q is fast approaching October 23rd and 24th. It is now 100% completely virtual, uh, and the price is a virtual low, low price. So if you are looking for some great PD over 200 sessions to inspire you, which will also be recorded and available for 60 days after the event is over, just go to q.org slash fall and sign up today. So, Kyle, thank you so much for uh, sharing all these amazing uh, uh, characters with us. And I definitely got to go back on my HBO Max account and and watch some of the newer episodes of South Park. Uh, maybe I'll turn that into my new uh, treadmill show uh, once Star Trek Discovery comes to an end uh, on my run. But do you have any final words for our listeners before we let them uh, go off and have their great weekend? No, like you said, I think um, if there's any ones that you want to share, uh, we would love to learn about what your thoughts are on some of these and maybe discover a few more that maybe we haven't seen before. So uh, definitely hit us up on our Twitter accounts and the Sons of Technology channel and uh, let us know some of your favorites. All right. So everybody have a great weekend. Go off and keep making that difference. Keep inspiring and keep getting students involved in education. Who knows? Maybe one day your story will be turned into a movie that we will review later. Thanks, everybody. Have yourself a wonderful 